You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome back, everybody, to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. This is your co-host, Kate. Hi, Megan's here today. Yay, Megan's here. I'm not talking to myself. (laughs) Sometimes when I record podcasts by myself, I start to feel like I'm just talking to like an imaginary friend and I feel a little bit dorky and I'm just going on and on. So this is a nice relief. I'm glad I can be your real friend here today. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the scale. Not because we plan this podcast, but because... We get so frustrated, (laughs) and I think we've been so frustrated lately with multiple different situations that we're like, we need to just do a podcast and talk about this, because we keep having these conversations over and over and over and over again. Right. Which is fine to a degree, right? And there's always those times where you have to take a break, because I'll have the same discussion with different people all day long, but I think we both have had a few clients that we work with that seem to just... be a little bit overly obsessed with the scale weight. And even though their friends, their family, their significant others, and we are seeing progress from all different angles in terms of their health, even their physique, their energy, the way they see food, their relationship with eating, it doesn't even matter. It's like all of these huge things, all the things that they tell us they want, like right off the bat, don't even seem to matter if that scale isn't reflecting whatever they weighed 15 years ago or whatever they weighed when they went to high school prom. And that can be exhausting for both us, but more so the people we work with. One thing I was thinking about too is because there's been, you know, in a lot of his- the history of dieting, I would say, that was probably the one thing that they use as a measurement of progress, especially before things like strength training became popular for women. You know, back in the day when it was all jazzercise and cardio, like, I'd say strength training hasn't been super popular until maybe 10, 15 years at the most, right? I mean, 15 years seems like a stretch to me because before I was in college, when I went to college, I was 2012. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had never really thought about strength training so much. I think I got introduced to it in college. Yeah. So I don't think it had been around for that long. Yeah, so it was all kind of like, how light can you be? How skinny can you be? And then the traditional dieting methods like Weight Watchers, like that was their one measurement of progress. You went into the meetings and you stepped on the scale and if it went down, it meant great. And if it didn't, then you weren't doing the right thing. So I think a lot of people come from that mindset of, this is the only thing there is to tell me that I'm doing the right things. And if it's not going down, that means that I need to change something. It reminds me of the Pavlov dog experiment, Mm -hmm. Weight Watchers does, because if you're not familiar with what Pavlov dog's experiment was, this guy, the scientist, um, he conditioned dogs to salivate whenever they saw a treat. So the dog learned that if they did something, they got a treat, and soon he would just show them the treat and they would start drooling. So it's almost like 
when you go into Weight Watchers, you get conditioned to, oh, if you see that scale go down, it's a positive, it's happy. Your brain learns that weight loss equals good, weight gain equals bad. Mm -hmm. And it learns the pattern where if you restrict your food to a certain extent, you'll get that good reward of that low scale. But if you mess up, quote unquote, mess up, then that, that bad response will happen when you step on the scale. I know we're talking crap on Weight Watchers right now, and I don't, I don't mean to like rail at them, but I do. <laughs> I I had a client recently who was in her sixties, and she said that her biggest problem was stopping and starting. She starts and she does well, and then she quits, and then she starts and she does well, and she quits. And I was trying to get to the bottom of like, what makes you quit? Why do you, why do you stop when you're feeling good and sounds like she really enjoys the food that she's eating and she likes healthy food. She doesn't have a problem with eating it. So I was trying to get to the bottom of what throws her off. And she told me that the last time she was doing well, she she did Weight Watchers for a month and she was pretty strict, did really well. She said she didn't go off plan at all. She felt really good about it and she had lost seven pounds in a month and she was pretty excited about that. And then as kind of like a celebration, not for her weight loss, but I think it was either someone's birthday or something that they were celebrating, she kind of spent all weekend with her son at the pool and they had some wings and then they had some hot dogs. And the next morning on Monday, she got on the scale and it had gone up by five pounds. And so then she looked at her whole month and she said, okay, so for this whole month, I worked my butt off and I lost two pounds this isn't worth it. And she quit. And so from then until when I talked to her, she hadn't had any goals. She didn't do anything. She was like, it's not worth it for me to only lose two pounds in a month. And so then I like, I sat her down and I was like, I can tell you right now why you gained those five pounds very easily. Number one, you were in the sun all weekend. You're probably pretty burnt. <laughs> like that's going to make your skin swell. Your, your cells take on more water because you have damage. And so that on its own, like, you've probably felt that when you get sunburned, you feel all swollen and... Puffy. Just, yeah, exactly. You're going to weigh more because of that. She had never thought of that, and I don't think most people do. But not only that, she had had... She named two super salty meals that she had with the wings and the hot dogs. And that right there can make your body take on more water, and the scale is going to go up the next day. That doesn't mean at all that she gained five pounds of fat or that all the work that she did over that month was totally erased. But to her, from seeing that number, that equaled quit. And so that didn't get her any closer to where she wanted to be. She gained that extra two pounds back very quickly. But had she have just either not stepped on the scale or had known kind of the science behind why that number would go up, those pounds would have eventually come off throughout the week from the sunburn and from the salty food, and she would have continued to see those results. When instead, like, when you find yourself making these life decisions based off of what the scale says, that's when I really see a problem with people seeing sustained, lasting results when they just say, well, I only lost two pounds in a month, so I quit. Yep. I think a lot of that, too, is from that messaging that we've heard before, especially on social media or from any kind of weight loss program, especially some of those old school weight loss programs where they'll uh, say, you know, if you have a cheat day, they say like, oh, you know, you can't have a cheat day. You can have a cheat meal. But if you have a whole cheat day, 
all of the progress that you made during the week is going to get blown because you ate all the calories that you lost. You know, it's very like a simplistic view and people really hear that message and it makes sense from a very simple point of view, right? Like you restrict food all day, all week, and then we spend one day eating all of the quote unquote calories that you didn't eat and you gain all the weight back and all the progress you made is blown, yada, yada. But really that's just not how the body works and that's not really the actual truth of that happens, but still we get that message if you blow a whole week or you blow a whole month with one cheat day or binge eating episode, then why even try? You completely blew all your progress. And unfortunately, like you said, that's just not the truth. The scale can fluctuate for a multitude of reasons, but that doesn't necessarily mean you regain body fat or body weight. It's just what you're holding on to, which might be solutes like sodium and water. It could be undigested food. If you ate a large amount of food, much more than you normally do, you probably still have some food in your system that you haven't passed yet. And those little things, those inflammation, that sunburn, that's going to hold on to different types of solutes and different weight. And it's not necessarily body fat. And it doesn't mean you need to just give up completely, especially if you're feeling good making changes. Yeah. And I think this goes back to like you were saying, like the old school way of like dieting or wanting to lose weight. You eat a certain number of calories or you have a certain number of shakes per day, which equal a certain number of calories. And Mm -hmm. so all of the goals are so numbers based. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you eat 800 calories a day and you start seeing that scale go down, go down, go down, and you did that, whether it was 10 years ago or last month, you're conditioned to be like, look, this is Mm -hmm. working. It's working. And you get excited because you see the scale going down. When actuality, that scale going down that fast is a bad, terrible thing for your body because you're losing muscle. You're not even losing, I mean, maybe you're losing fat to go along with it, but most of the reason why the scale is going down so quickly is because you're losing all of your muscle mass, which means you're also damaging your metabolism, which is the reason why you gain all that weight back as soon as you quit. So I've, I've never met any client who have done those 800 calorie diets and then they're like, yep, I lost 50 pounds and I kept it off for five years. No, I've never, ever, ever seen that happen. I've seen plenty of people lose 50 pounds and gain 80 back or gain 40 back. Well, that's why when you see those commercials for those slim fast type of diets where you drink two shakes a day or you get prepackaged meals that are already portioned, when they show you those testimonials of so-and-so lost 17 pounds in two weeks and three inches, they always show you short-term testimonials. Mm -hmm. They never show you like two years ago, Carla lost, (laughs) gradually and sustainably changed her life and (laughs) (laughs) lost about two pounds every couple weeks. And now she feels great, has more energy and reversed her diabetes. You know, it's never like that. It's just instant gratification, which, you know, to be fair, we all love, we all love instant gratification. I mean, there is nothing better than that little dopamine hit of seeing something happen as soon as you put the work in. And in a lot of areas in our life, that's great. You know, think about a savings account. You put money into a savings account, you get that instant gratification of, oh, look at this number going up, I have more money. But unfortunately, when it comes to our body, it's just too finicky. I mean, things can just change in an instant and you can't depend on that scale weight to be in a, a, a good determinant of your overall health and long-term success, which I know for a fact, everybody, if you're trying to change your life and you're trying to lose weight, you're wanting to do it for good. You're not trying to regain that weight back. And that's why you have to let go of that instant gratification and that obsession with the immediate change on the scale. 
It's such a good point because we're so conditioned to be like, well, how much weight can I lose in two weeks or how much weight can I lose in a month to then change the entire mindset to be like that actually shouldn't be the goal at all because that's going to be a detriment to me in the long run. Like I shouldn't want to lose this 15 pounds in one month because it's actually going to hurt me in the long run. It's such a, a mindset shift that we have to help our clients make. You know what, that show, that show, um, Biggest Loser, The Biggest Loser. Oh, yeah. I had to have this conversation with one of my DAP clients last month. She was um, in June or July, actually, I can't remember. Uh, and she was a small individual. I mean, she's five foot three, just a smaller person, but had extra body fat she wanted to lose. And she would get really upset if she only, and if you could see me, I'm doing only in quotations, lose a pound a week. And we were talking about the biggest loser because you look at these people and they're losing like Mm. nine pounds a week and they're getting upset on camera. And I was telling her, I was like, well, those people have a lot more human on them. So therefore they can get away with losing a little bit more. But we all sit there and we watch TV and we get these unrealistic ideas of like, oh, I should be losing this much weight in a week. Or we get on MyFitnessPal and it says, you want to lose two pounds in a week? Well, what if you don't have a whole lot of weight to lose because Mm -hmm. you're just a smaller individual? You have to accept that you can't A, predict exactly how much weight you're going to lose in a week, no matter how consistent you are. And you have to be realistic about your expectations. A smaller individual should not feel frustrated if they're losing only a half a pound or a pound on average a week. And not only that, but with The Biggest Loser, they did metabolic testing on individuals that had gone through that show and maybe a year or two or three down the road, they tested their metabolisms and they were like shot rock bottom. Like someone who should have been naturally burning 2,200 calories a day was down at like 1,900 calories. And so they could never eat like a normal individual again or their weight was going to blow back up. And that's exactly what we want to avoid with our clients. And that's why slow is the best rate of weight loss. It's the slow is the best rate. I know it's hard to like get your mind surrounded with that concept, but slow is the best rate. It's the only way to lose weight and for it to be the A, the right type of weight and B, for it to stay off. I want to get that tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> Just like seriously, whenever anybody's concerned, you know, it's crazy. This is like the kind of things that happen sometimes where you get an email, you, we just like send emails to our clients. And I should probably say, if you're new to the podcast and you're like, wait, who are these? <laughs> who are these people We're dietitians and we help people, you know, achieve their goals using personalized nutrition And a lot of that involves changing weights, whether it's weight loss, uh, whether it's weight gain. I had somebody booked today who's wanting to gain weight for a wedding. He wants to put on muscle mass. Whether it is changing your body composition, just trying to get healthier, we help you do that using nutrition. So I would say a bulk of our clientele are concerned about weight loss, or if it's not their main concern, it's something they're interested in and, and want to talk about. And so whenever we get these little check-ins, we send these check-in emails to our clients, you know, just making sure they're doing good, letting them know that we're here to talk if they need anything. I'll get an email sometimes that'll be like, I'm feeling great. My husband's noticing I'm a lot more energized and a lot less irritable. I actually don't feel like crap when I get out of bed. I'm really enjoying what I'm eating. I feel good. I feel like my pants are fitting better. I've noticed that my, my bra, I don't have the back flab as much as I used to, but... And then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I see that and I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> Here we go. This is where I need to just be able to send a selfie 
with my head with the tattoo that says slow is the best rate because they'll say something like the scale is only shown that I've lost two pounds and it's been you know four weeks and I'm just concerned about you know if I should be losing more and I totally I mean I, I say this in a joking way and I really do feel compassion for these people because I get it and I've been there I know Megan you've been there too and we know how it feels but it's where we have to ring in the reins and be like Look at this paragraph of amazing things that have happened to you and you're noticing physical changes, you're noticing changes in your energy, hell, your husband's noticing changes and you're still obsessed with a little number on the scale. It's it's just one of those weird human things and there's a lot of reasons why someone might be obsessed with it and that's what we're hoping to break down this podcast today is why we're so obsessed but why we shouldn't be. I had, I think, a good illustration of this, and I'm not going to use the exact numbers because I don't remember exactly what they were, but I will use some arbitrary numbers just to illustrate this. So I had a client who was kind of exactly what you just described. She, there were so many good things happening in her life, and she was still hung up on that number and really frustrated by it that it wasn't going down at the rate she wanted it to. And she had just started in an exercise routine over the month. Again, she was a she was a DAP client for me as well. And she, our big goal for the month was get into an exercise routine. She had just fallen out of it with quarantine. Like she wasn't going to go back to her gym. She didn't feel comfortable. We were trying to figure out how can we get you active again. And so she had, um, she ended up sending me her her DEXA scan. So a DEXA scan is kind of looks like an MRI machine. You get a scan, it tells you your body fat percentage, even like your left arm compared to your right arm and all of these different things. So she sent me her scans and she had three of them over time. And so the one from last year said she was like 175 and 32% body fat. And then her one let's say three months ago was 185 and the body fat percentage was around the same. So she had gained weight, body fat percentage had stayed about the same. And then the, the last one was somewhere, the weight was somewhere in between those two, in between those two, those 10 pounds. So it wasn't the highest that it was and it wasn't lower than it had been before, but the body fat percentage had gone down like 4%. Sheesh, that's a big jump. So it was a big, it was like, whoa, like, okay. So and so I had to explain to her because she was frustrated with those results because she's like, look, the scale, like I weighed less than I did a year ago. I weighed less. But I'm like, your body looks so different. Like at 4% change, which it may not sound like a big deal to some people, but when it comes to body fat percentage, that's a huge, huge difference. And then she'd also taken measurements and she lost like three inches on her waist. And I'm like, come on like is this not what, what you, you asked for? like and so like I have to pose these questions like well what if this scale never changed again mm-hmm. and yet you continue you got back into your size six jeans that you really want to get back into those jeans but you weighed the exact same and she's like I know like I need to I need to get that into my head that I can fit into those but be at a higher weight because she's doing strength training she has more muscle now she's losing fat but, and you know what that means? Her metabolism's higher, too. So she can eat more. <laughs> she can eat more now at that weight with the higher amount of muscle, still fit into those clothes, and eat more. Yeah. And that's, like, the best of everything. <laughs> it's so funny because it's, like, all of, all of the things that you could want, all the things that people associate with weight loss, right, 
are happening. It's just the number doesn't change at the expectation that the person has. And that's the problem is people have this expectation of a certain number for whatever reason, because it's maybe a weight that they feel like they should be because some online calculator told them that or some Mm -hmm. doctor told them that or it's what they weighed years ago. So if you're so obsessed with the number that you think you should be, but then all of these things that you're working so hard and intentionally for, because obviously this client was working to gain muscle, working to look slimmer, working to change her body composition, all these things are happening, but that number isn't right. I mean, it's funny how just one little variable can cloud all of the other benefits. And in fact, you actually shared with me that question a few months ago. You're like, I was telling you about a client who was going through a similar Mm -hmm. issue and you said, well, did you ask her the question of what would happen if your scale weight just never changed? Like what would happen? And I actually brought that up to her uh, a couple weeks after you and I chatted because we were having a discussion. She was like, honestly, like when I think about it, I don't think I would care as long as I kept seeing changes in my physique. I'm like, great. So what if you achieved this ideal physique that you want? But your weight never changed. Would mm-hmm. would you still want it? Would you still be willing to work for it? And she was like, hundred percent yes." And I was like, "There you go." Right. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and sometimes we have to get clients to take the scale away completely, mm-hmm. like because if it's coloring their entire day or they are basing all of their decisions off of what that scale says that day, it's time to take it away. Um, So the way I describe it is like, if you feel like the scale has power over you and you don't have power over the scale, it's time to put it away because we need to desensitize you to that number and we need to sensitize you to the other parameters that we're using to make sure that you're making progress. You need to be able to tune into those things way more than you're just looking at the scale to say, yes, I did good today or no, I didn't because we can't, again, like we've talked about, we can't use that as our only measurement of progress. So a lot of times I'll have people throw it away, take it to their daughter's house, like put it up in the closet, have their husbands hide it or their wives hide it until we can get to the point where they can get on it and it's not going to be a mental breakdown because... (laughs) it's just not that's just not healthy it's not a healthy relationship with your weight it's not a healthy relationship with food you have to have power over that scale before we can really use it to our benefit for sure I feel like with women that's usually at a really ineffective way I don't know about you but I've noticed that a lot of males don't seem to have no they don't care yeah they don't get because they've never been a they haven't like females are so obsessed with because I don't know of, this being is just small. the way that we're brought up is like being small mm-hmm. like taking up less space having less weight like females should be small and take up less space so that's like what we think and so we're obsessed with this number where most guys that come in that want to talk to us they still want to change their bodies in some way but they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care because they want to take up more space and they want to gain muscle and it doesn't matter to them what that number says. Like, they just want to look better in their pants. And so they're able to kind of divorce themselves from that. But I think as women, we're almost, like, graded based on the scale and maybe this will change for future generations because, I don't know, the way that we're doing things, the way that other dietitians are doing things and the way that the dieting world is kind of changing and shifting now maybe it won't be like this for them but it's almost like a self-worth depending on like if you weigh less than your friend Mm -hmm. kind of a thing growing up I remember that even as a fifth grader I remember because I was still in private school in fifth grade 
we all lined up and they weighed us all, which is so weird. Isn't yeah. that so weird? They did like, that to us too. And then you told, everybody like told like what they weighed and then it's like the first time that's brought to your attention, you're like, oh, like my friends all weigh less than me. Like, am I fat? Like, is something wrong with me? And then like, I remember the tall girl mm-hmm. who weighed more than everybody. She was like really visibly upset because she weighed more than like most of the boys did. She was just tall. <laughs> and girl, that's, that's such, like, the fact that they weighed with boys, especially yeah. girls in fifth grade, who we all know are growing at an exponential, really faster rate than men. That poor girl. I know. You know what's interesting is I feel like any client that we've, that I talk to at least, who has a fixation on the scale, if I open up the conversation with them, like, you know, growing up, did mom, did grandma, did sister, did they have an obsession with food or their weight? And it's always yes. And they can nine out of 10 times pinpoint exact conversations Mm -hmm. or exact moments where somebody or somebody or somebody or somebody, somebody said something about their weight that stuck with them forever. And I know I have a few of those moments and you remember from fifth grade and it's like, boys don't have that with weight. (laughs) I'm sure they, and I'm not saying like Young boys don't have their own, you yeah. know, struggles with just being a kid. I mean, everyone has them. Yeah. But just based off of what we've seen, I agree. Yeah. Like just generalizations and the working with the different sexes. Like I would totally agree with you that I hardly ever have to have the conversation with a guy of like, well, what if your weight stayed forever at two fifty? What would happen? Like I don't ever have to have that conversation no. with a guy because they just don't care. No, no, it's not an issue at all, unless they're trying to get bigger. Right, and I think they've probably, with them, they've probably had that experience a lot of times where they're like, well, in high school when I was playing football, like, I actually weighed more Mm -hmm. and I looked better. And they recognize that. And women a lot of times haven't had that experience yet. And so until you have that experience of being at a higher weight and actually your clothes fitting better, like, it doesn't really sink into your head until that has happened to you. And I know I've had that experience. And it took me a while to figure out, like oh, I can actually look better. I don't have to, like, get to my lowest weight ever to look my best. Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually not my goal anymore because I, re- I recognize I actually look better at this higher weight with more muscle mm-hmm. on my frame. And you get to eat more. Exactly. Like your KFC sandwich that you so, talked about. <laughs> I haven't had it since. It's a one-time thing. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. We all have our things. If you don't know what we're talking about, that was in, like, what, like, I don't even know what episode it was. That was, like, was. beginning of quarantine <laughs> yeah. episode. I was like, what dietitians are eating in quarantine? And I confessed that I had had fried chicken, like, three times or something, something ridiculous like that. It's <laughs> okay. Fried chicken's good. <laughs> it's chicken and it's fried. But, yeah, it's, it is funny to talk to men and women and just kind of see the differences in, in how we think about the scale. Another thing about exercise, if we're on the topic of muscle mass, is the immediate effect that you get after exercise and how that typically causes the scale to go up. Not always, but I find with myself and with a lot of clients, if they're doing high intensity workouts, so I'm talking not just leisurely walks or, you know, slow pace bike rides, if they're doing some kind of high intensity workout, the scale is likely to go up a little bit the next day, even if they ate perfect, right? I mean, I almost hesitate to say that, but I say it just because I know what everyone knows what that means, right? They ate on their plan or whatever. 
But when you put a lot of tension on your muscles, if you are putting a lot of resistance on your body, there's going to be a stress response and damage, and that leads to inflammation. So just like Megan was saying earlier, if you get a sunburn and you get some inflammation on your body, water is going to be drawn to that inflammatory spot to try to settle it down to kind of put the fire out for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. It's also going to be carrying nutrients there to help repair those tissues. And so you're going to be holding on to more solutes. It's just a fact. So therefore, people sometimes get all bent out of shape. They're like, I don't get it. I, I ran four miles yesterday and I didn't eat anything more than I normally would. And the scale went up. Like, why is that? And it's like, don't sweat it. It's just something in your body that's holding on to water. It's just inflammation. It's just sodium. It's whatever it is. It's not like you gained body fat overnight after a hard workout. Yeah, so then if you allow the scale to tell you that you did the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. when really the day before was an awesome day, well, now you're going to make changes that you shouldn't actually be making to the detriment of your overall success. Yeah, so I had to kind of zoom out of the day and zoom out of that immediate scale uh, number and look at the big picture and look at the trend over time. If your body composition is moving the way that you want it to move, if you are feeling better, if you're getting stronger, if you're noticing changes in your athletic performance, if your clothes are fitting better, if you're walking past the mirror and stopping to check yourself out, then that's a good sign. You can't freak out about little fluctuations in the scale. Another thing too is like sometimes when the scale goes down, it may not be a good thing either. So sometimes you're dehydrated and you get on the scale and you're like, yes, like scale is down. But actually like no, that's not a good thing for your body. Like, you're just dehydrated right now. And so you're going to weigh more on the days where you're well hydrated. So you can't use that as you're like, oh, I was out. Like, I cut the grass. I was doing all this yard work. Like, I was sweating. And then I drank alcohol yeah, at night. And then I woke up the next day and I was seven pounds down. <laughs> it's like, not because you were healthier. Like, not because you lost a bunch of fat overnight. Because your body is so dehydrated right now. I, I, this is going to help... Um, make you not look so bad, I guess, with the fried chicken. (laughs) So um, I notice that days after I drink more than I should, even if it's beer, which is something that bloats you in the moment, the next day I'm like, I have abs. I look so lean. TMI. But when I go to the bathroom, I feel like it's a cleansing experience. (laughs) And I weigh less and I feel so lean. But then like three days later, I get that rebound puff where I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) And it's simply because alcohol dehydrates you, as does any kind of exercise or outdoor movement where you're sweating a lot, especially in the summer. And if you're not rehydrating a lot and you go to the bathroom in the morning and it's a bright neon yellow and you feel really lean and you step on the scale, sorry, Charlie, but those beers, that six pack that you're seeing is not from your six pack that you guzzled. Yeah, that's not, it's not helping your body composition. Yes, to say it nicely, learn that over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, and so there's, you know, we're not saying like never use the scale. We're not saying that. Like, I, I think it can be great for some people. I have one DAP client who literally sends me a, the picture of a, the, a picture of the scale every single morning. He's a very analytical person. He likes the numbers. He's able to think about the science of it. So, like, if the scale is up the next day, he also provides me with what he thinks his explanation of that is. Or if it's down, he also talks about that. Or sometimes he doesn't talk about it at all. It's just the number. It's just another thing he does every single day. And again, we look at that trend over time of what's going on there and he can look at it just as a number and so 
that's totally fine with me for him to use that as a measurement of progress. But that's not right for everybody. It's going to send some people into an absolute tizzy if they have to weigh themselves every single oh, yeah. day. And that's not the right thing for everyone to do. So we have to figure out, like, what's your relationship with the scale like right now? And that doesn't mean it has to be that relationship forever. It can evolve over time. So, for example, for the one woman that I told her, we need to put the scale away for at least four weeks. And then let's reevaluate how you're feeling if we want to bring that back in. It's not like four weeks, it goes away, and then as soon as it comes back, now you're on the scale again every single day. It's in four weeks, we're going to reevaluate how do you actually feel mm-hmm. about this, and is this this is this something that's smart for us to bring back in right now, or do you feel great using these other, other me- measurements of progress, and you don't really need the scale anymore? I like that. I like that there's no deadline. Like, okay, after four weeks, we're back up on it. You know, this is just a test drive. It's, you know, if you want to keep it going this way, then four weeks is a great time frame to decide if it really works for you. Yeah. You know, a story you were saying about your client who's really analytical and likes to see the numbers. I have a few like that too. And I kind of, I had one client who was also a DAP client and she just really enjoyed using the scale and she was using other forms of measurement, which was helpful, but she liked to take that weight and she liked to track it in her app that was specific for weight loss. I'm not sure what it was. It was just some sort of weight tracker app. And at first I was like, I don't know about this. Like, but she was, you know, at first she seemed really comfortable with it because she was seeing overall results that she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she was also tracking her food and she just enjoyed that. She's that kind of person, same as your your male client, works with numbers, pretty logical. The difference was as a female, she had her cycle at the end of our DAP term, right? Mm-hmm. Her hormonal cycle, her menstrual cycle. And man, the weight jumped up. And this tracker she was using was taking the average weight loss per week and giving her milestones that she should be hitting, which I don't think is fair, right? Because at the <laughs> Ooh, beginning of yikes. this podcast, yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Like, you can't predict when you, you know, you can mm-hmm. look at these recommendations and take them with a grain of salt. But, I mean, that's not science. You can't predict how much weight you should be losing. That's just impossible. And I'm sorry, but that's my stance and I stick to it. And so when her weight went up, it went up by a couple pounds. And she was a very small human. And she freaked out. She was like, I wanted to hit this weight loss goal by the end of the month. And like, now I feel like I can't do it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she kept weighing herself every day and just seeing it change by ounces. Like, that's it. And it really, like you said, I like the way you said threw her for a tizzy. I love that (laughs) word. It threw her for a little tizzy. But then as soon as she finished her cycle, her weight went back to where it was. And then she continued the downward trend. And we talked about it. She's like, you know what? Like, I kind of needed that weight fluctuation to help me not care about the scale so much. She's like, Mm. after seeing that fluctuation, I'm just like, eh, like, I'm going to keep weighing myself because I like it. I like tracking the trend. But now that I can see that my weight's just back where it was and it was all because I had my hormonal cycle, I don't feel as attached to it. And I was like... This is a journey that I'm not going to initially put people on for my own sanity. (laughs) And um, I thought she was going to cry when we were talking. But at the end of the day, it worked out for her. And now she has a real neutral relationship with the scale. Mm -hmm. Whereas she kind of played it off as she did in the beginning. But as soon as things didn't go her way, which is going to happen in nearly anybody's weight loss journey, uh, it, it definitely made her feel emotional. But when she got through it, she was now like, oh, all right, like, I get it now. Right. I get if I drink, like, five bubblies, I, they're full of carbonated water that I'm going to feel bloated the next day, and it might show up on the scale, but it doesn't really mean anything. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I think 
one way that you can really determine if you should be using this scale or not is like think about like does this scale have power over me Mm -hmm. like do I make decisions solely based on what that number is saying or does that totally color how I feel about myself for the day when I step on the scale Mm -hmm. because if you're solely basing your decisions off of that or it's the way or your it determines your emotions for the day it's time to take a step back from that and there's no right answer to how long to take a step back from that but don't give yourself a deadline either of like in two weeks I'm gonna weigh myself because then it just builds up in your head of like I'm gonna get on the scale in two weeks I'm gonna yes. get on the scale in two weeks and I'm god get on the scale forbid that's a day where you just happen to be holding exactly, like, your yeah exactly if you're on your period you had wings the day before or if whatever like and then it, yeah and it's not what you day. want then it's gonna throw you for a dizzy <laughs> that's the word of the day tizzy. and if it does then that means that you are not there in that relationship and uh, i've been trying to think of something to compare this to in our lives and i cannot think of anything else that's like this that we let have power the stock I can, market like, i can't <laughs> no <laughs> No, definitely not. <laughs> it's just so volatile sometimes. Home prices. No. <laughs> no, I can't. I don't know. I can't think of anything else that's that's like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if if anybody else can think of something, <laughs> write to us and let us know because I'd love to have a, a good comparison to use with clients. Yeah, I would like to know one too, because there's so many good comparisons when you're talking about like relationships with food or how you see food, how you see your body. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to that, that darn scale, <laughs> I hate that. Hate it, love it. So, Whatever. I mean, at least like, I think our hope with doing this podcast is to just kind of like talk you through how unimportant it can be and how it really shouldn't be the end-all be-all of when you're making a goal to make changes in your life if that's the number one thing you're using to see if those changes are working we need to Mm. come up with some other measurements of progress what are some other measurements of progress your clients have been using lately well i prefer people to measure progress based on their ability ability to stick to action goals actionable goals that are 100% in their control. So instead of measuring your progress with, yay, I lost two pounds, it's, yay, I was able to stick to my goal of prepping a high-protein breakfast Monday through Friday. Whoa, you're smart. So it's just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) really? (laughs) Um, But it's just, you know, if something's in your control and you can prove to yourself over and over again that you can set a goal and stick to it, you build trust in yourself, you build confidence, and you can't you, you can actually achieve that, right? It's 100% in your control whether you plan a healthy, high-protein breakfast. It's not in your control whether your weight changes. So that's just a, I guess, cognitive behavioral method. But if we're talking using body measurement as change, my favorite is pictures, to be honest. Uh, there's lots of different ways to do things like this, but I actually had a client today tell me that she uh, was ready to start taking photos of herself and she doesn't want to share them with anybody, which is 100% Uh, Okay, like I agree, I wouldn't want to send my photos to somebody, Uh, but she wants to just keep it for herself because she's been someone who has been dealing with this obsession with the scale, but noticing physical changes and getting compliments from her mom and her boyfriend. And she's like, you know what, I just need photo documentation because I don't want to be obsessed with the scale. So she's going to take photos once a week for a few months and see if she can see physical changes 
in cool. her body. Yeah, it's really, really hard to see physical changes because you see yourself every single day. So that's really hard to compare yourself today to yourself of three months ago because when you see yourself every day, you may not really see any changes and you forget what you looked like or what you felt like three months ago. So I think self-reflection in this type of a journey is really important, whether you're taking pictures or you're writing things in a journal, whatever it is, so that you can look back on what your starting point was. Because with anything, whether it's uh, starting to lift weights or playing volleyball or CrossFit, if it's something physical or if it's learning to play the piano or it's really hard to remember what it was like for you on that day one. And so for everybody, like, I wish they could just record their day one so they always have that to compare themselves to no matter what kind of thing you're trying to learn or do. Remember where you started and so you can compare yourself to that. That's beautiful. You're never going back to your day one. That's beautiful. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just need tissue here. It's a good thing you got this huge shipment of tissues to the office today. <laughs> a box of Kleenex. We literally have 17 boxes of t- tissues showed up today. If that doesn't tell you how real it gets in our office, <laughs> we get deep. You think you're going to get in here and leave with like a meal plan? Like, no, we're no. asking you about your relationship with, with food. Yeah, every time, what would your mom think about food? You know, it gets real. Well, one of, one of my favorite things I wanted to bring up that I use for measurements of progress, especially for females, is physical things that aren't scale or number related that they want to accomplish. So something mm-hmm. that could empower them, like if they cannot do any push-ups on their toes, like if they're starting at zero, like let's make a goal. How many do you want to be able to do by this time? Because that's something that they can physically say like, yes, I either did it or no, I can't do it. I love the pull up as a goal because I know for most women have never been able to pull, do a pull up ever, like ever, ever, ever. And so to start from like never being able to do a negative pull up and then all of a sudden you can do one or now you can pull your, your body up like or dips or your mile time, whether it's I can walk a 5K in 45 minutes. Well, okay, well, what would it take for you to be able to walk a 5K in 40 minutes? Mm. So I want people to make goals that mean something to them that would show them, look at me physically getting stronger and able to do things that Mm. I couldn't do before because that makes the scale matter so much less to them because they can see I'm, to- I'm a changed person because I can do these things now. And if I can do something now that I couldn't do before, that means you have to have more muscle or you wouldn't be able to do those things. Mm. You physically can't get stronger without having more muscle. That is true. That's great, especially, like you said, with females who are doing any kind of resistance or weight training or exercise program. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? I think we've gone pretty long here. We, we be talking. We talk a lot. <laughs> We're chatterboxes. No, I think I got everything I wanted to get out. I think I got it out. Cool. Well, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you are curious about what working with a dietitian can do for you, we got good news. (laughs) We've got good news because we're dietitians and you're a person that we want to work with. So if you want more information about working with Megan or I, you can log on to our website. It's orlandodietitian.com. And whether you're local to Orlando or if you are off yonder somewhere in America, (laughs) typically is where we work, 
then we have virtual consultations and you can just shoot us an email and ask questions and we can see if we are a good fit to help you achieve any kind of goal. And guess what? We won't make you weigh yourself. If you didn't pick up from that from this whole episode, you do not have to tell us your weight. If you just are focused on improving your relationship with food or your body, or you want to improve your overall physical fitness and just want to eat healthy and find a diet that works for you and your goals, that's us. We're your gals. Come talk to us. Talk to us, please. Please talk to us. (laughs) So we don't have to talk to ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, so we don't have to talk to ourselves. Talk to a wall on the podcast. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you know somebody who needs to listen to this episode because he or she is obsessed with the scale and they won't shut up about it and you need them to take a hint, please share this to your social media or send it to them directly. It really helps us grow the podcast and reach more people. But thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real 